Hello. Hello. Hello and welcome to the special edition podcast of Industry Tactics. My name is Friendly Rich. Digging into my release, my 11th studio recording, I made over the course of five days in July of 2016 at Hoxley Workman Studio in Berks Falls. It's called The Great Blue Heron. Super proud of it. And uh, this episode features interviews with the folks who helped me make it. Kevin Bright, who played bass, electric guitars, mandolins, banjos, you name it. Hoxley Workman, who produced the record and played drums and synth on it. Uh, it was engineered by Stu Crooks. And um, also interviews with Greg Dawson, who helped mix and master it. So hope you enjoy it. Sit back and prepare to be dazzled. This is kind of a behind-the-scenes look into some of the songs and interviews with those beautiful folks who helped me make it. Comes out September the 14th. It'll be available on all of the, uh, the digital platforms from iTunes to Spotify. And come check us out. We're playing many dates across Ontario and Quebec in September and October. I hope to see you at some of these album launches. And I'll actually be playing with Hawksley and Kevin. They'll be joining the Lollipop people for a special Toronto release of the record on October the 13th at the Heliconian Club. All those tour dates are going to be at FriendlyRich.com. Here it is now, the special edition episode, The Great Blue Heron, here on Industry Tactics. Enjoy. reminded me of the good old days of what it felt like to put like-minded kooks in a room to create brilliance and so from his new studio recently moved to montreal this is producer hoxley workman which is what you and i had talked about a year before we even did your record was what if we use kevin bright as a co-conspirator and the three of us have at her and the crazy thing was it just so happened it was like the hottest week of summer. We, there's four grown men in the control room because it's the best sounding, it was the best sounding room in my old studio. We had drums in there. There was nowhere to sit. We were constantly sweating. Mm-hmm. Kevin's dog was there, Rita. And Rita is about as big a dog as you can imagine other than like a Marmaduke type dog. It was a lot of life forms in a small, sweaty, hot space. With yeah. the Wardbeck console, the vintage CBC West Coast mobile recording console, yeah. 1977 and 1995, puking out heat as if it were not hot enough already, my little Cool King air conditioning unit, impotent in the face of the, the amount of body sweat, dog sweat, and Wardbeck sweat. We were all like, the, the little air conditioning unit was like a candle in the sun, you know, doing absolutely nothing. Henrietta Sue, 
I did a gig with Hawksley uh, at the Here Ontario yeah. Jazz Festival, and uh, he played drums with folk alarm. And he told me, he said, on the way down, he listened to a rough of uh, Great Blue Heron, and he said it was amazing. So he felt really great about it. That was the guitar guru, Kevin Bright, uh, who plays many, many instruments on this recording. Um, I want to give you a little glimpse into, this is the title track, it's called The Great Blue Heron with Kevin counting it in. Hope you enjoy it. This, is, this isn't on the record, but then it, it kind of leads into what eventually becomes the count-in that starts the whole thing. Just like J.D. Salinger on his front porch. He used to drink his own piss, eh? Did you hear this? Really? Yeah. Salinger. No. Yeah, and yeah. all of his, uh, his works are coming out. Posthumous. He wrote for like 30 years. Nothing. Just kept putting it in the safe. It's all coming out soon. Let's do it. Friday and Zoe, the next, oh, the next day. Thankfully. All right. You want to count it, Kev? Yeah, sorry. One, two, a one. Two, a one, two. That's the title track from the new recording, The Great Blue Heron, out officially on all digital platforms this Thursday, September the 14th. Please go on to iTunes. Uh, you can get all the links from FriendlyRich.com and, and purchase the record. Or come to one of our shows uh, that's coming up, and we're going to be selling this thing on vinyl for the first time in my career, and CD, if you're still into that kind of thing. So hope to see you along the way, and this is me chatting with Kevin. When you hear a song, you see it, and you see, and you hear the intent. So the singer, who's you, you're singing, and you see, you're really like you didn't, you know, you gave it everything. Every when we when we run something down in a and just running it down, mm -hmm. you'd sing it like you were never going to sing that song again, which is amazing because it telegraphs what we're supposed to do because we're hearing basically the final product by how you're singing it. Because you're not going well, okay, this part I'll scream. Well, I right. won't scream now, because I'll save my voice. No, you're giving everything. <laughs> so we can see what it was going to be. Love, 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 love. He's got nothing but love, 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 love. Oh! <laughs> That was a gang vocal from the tune Clarky the Wizard. And a gang vocal, for those of you not in the industry, is when we all huddle around a microphone. This was Kevin Hoxley and I. And, and we belt it out. We sing it together. So that tune, Clarky the Wizard, very happy with how it came out. It was me honoring uh, a musical mentor of mine, Dave Clark, from the Rio Statics and the Woodshed Orchestra. 
check out the Industry Tactics interview uh, we did with him, episode two, in fact, uh, early on in this podcast. And this is uh, this is me talking with um, with Greg Dawson, who ended up mixing the record. And Greg and I, Gerg, we've done many recordings together over the last ten years. So check out uh, my website if you want to hear any of our back catalog. But it was really nice to bring him in in this context after the whole thing was done to mix it. And really nice to have his touch on the whole project. This is Gerg now. Well, I think I was listening to tones uh, before songs, knowing that I was going to be tackling the mixing, that, that the first thing I was listening to was the recording, not even thinking about song structures and, and what, how you've grown and, and what you've uh, taken on in this new recording as a writer. So I'm like, oh shit, like right away I was like, I dig these drum tones. I was really digging the drum tones. They sounded like really great old drums and I, I really liked the way they were tracked. So, and then the guitar tones, you know, Kevin's bringing all these different tones. I was like, oh shit, these are really nice tones. And, and you guys were brave with some of them too. You know, there were some nasty guitar tones and I'm like, shit, right on. stumbling into the Cameron house and seeing you so many years ago and being like intimidated by your you know, performance and your prowess on stage and your noise making and your antics and your, and your excessive sort of way. And then I got to see it up close and I got to see you as this thoughtful guy who had put a great deal of care and thinking into what we were about to do, but also you weren't precious in that way that, some artists can be where, you know, they've diligently put things together. You allowed Kevin and I to do our thing. And, and I think people like Kevin and I, that's how we operate best. And I think we both knew that you give Kevin a few lottery tickets and they're all winners. For me, I always feel like I just get really lucky because I think this could be like, I'm going to try really hard to play a, a tenor banjo part on this. Really hard to really give it, because I was enlightened a bit with the final product, because you're giving, even though we we're far from the final product, because yeah. we're layering, yeah. we're, yeah. We're, we're, we're creating the orchestra. So I felt like, I felt kind of lucky, to tell you the truth. Like I would go out and I'd think, well, maybe this will work. And then something, somebody would say something, or I would hear something that happened for a shred of a moment that either wasn't there or I heard some, something and I thought, you know, you made a vowel sound with your yeah. mouth, that could yeah. be a wawa pedal. 
Huh. And that could yes. be that could be a slide. That could be a. My God, I've never heard. You know, my my garbage uh, clarinet playing never gets on a record. We <laughs> I mean, talked about that, but then when you went in there and uh, harmonized over it, that was yeah. a fond memory with the slide. <laughs> it became a, it became a it became a thing, right? It did. It did. It did. <laughs> And artists like you and, you know, other like maverick type artists are important because while you might not sell a million records, another true artist will hear your thing and realize they've only ever used 60% of the colors and 30% of the canvas, you know, because you sprawl in such a way that it reminds everybody that there's always further to go. That was an excerpt from the song The Man Who Killed Ev Lewis. One of my favorites off this new recording, The Great Blue Heron. And Ev Lewis was the husband of Maud Lewis, uh, the famous folk artist from down Digby Way in, uh, in Nova Scotia. I took a trip out there and really fell in love with that whole story. Somebody went and killed him post Maud's death. Scary stuff. Anyway, here's more with me and Kevin Bright. I was playing all the bass parts. So we recorded live the bed track. And then we immediately went to overdubbing. And what was really wild for me, my reflection, was that uh, I've totally forgotten that I actually played the bass parts. <laughs> it was all an upright bass. Yeah. And I totally forgot that. Like, and, and, then, and then we would go listen to playback I'm listening to what I'm putting down because you're thinking, does it work? Does it not work? Should I do something else? So the bass is there. So I just, it was at the very end that I thought, not that I was going to ask who's yeah. playing the bass, but yeah. I remember thinking <laughs> it was just such a weird thing for me. 
and I loved it. Like I really loved it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that because mm -hmm. it was really different for me to do that. I have that. these fond memories of you on double bass, glasses, immersed in the music, just you know, total focus. It was awesome. Oh yeah, it was awesome. Oh, I was so I was so kind of nervous about yeah. it in a way, not because I didn't think it would work, but I just thought. What is this thing? Is it barking good on the bottom end? Is it going to mm. do it? And then also, too, really trying to remember. Like, I, I would say to myself, okay, I would put an asterisk around the title. And, that, and what it meant to me is that I, would, I knew I'd have that music for the five days. So when I looked at the asterisk, what it told me was that listen to the bass part because you might want to double it on the guitar. So then when it came time for me to start doing the guitar overdubs, Every song had an asterisk beside it because I made a mental note, this would be this good. This is going to sound a good double. double, okay. And it was challenging. Like, some of that stuff was really challenging. It was. And, it, and, it's, and, you know what, and the thing is, we wanted the songs to sound like they came from the same terminal as opposed to you hear one song and you think, uh, this could be on another record. Right. Right. But I think that's the way it was designed, those five, six days, whatever right. it was. In the studio, kind of, Hoxie said it was like going to camp, you know, and I, I think that's why it sounds like yeah, I it is so. from one place, right? Yeah, well, the way it was crafted. But I think that was our intention. The intention was, at least for me, was yeah. I would approach each song for what the song wanted. So I, I, so I, I had my electric bass, yeah. for example. I was just yeah. using the bottom end. Yeah. But I went for any instrument. I thought, well, we'll serve it, like however it's going to be, uh, we're going to, record it it'll be for what the song wants but it really seemed that it was going to be a band yeah yeah you know it was going to be a it's band all we, it's all it's all you want to do i yeah, think I isn't know. it i mean well i think so <laughs> no kidding i think that that's it's so simple together a pretty good crew right you know the players and you know hoxley producing and you know that's a bit of a mystery too because yeah we, it was we, we it had was yeah recorded so much for a good eight to ten years and then you're yeah. like okay yeah i'm assuming it was a bit of a mystery for you right yeah. like how's this how's yeah. this going to go and and how much care is going to be taken with my material i'm glad it worked out for you as, as soon as i yeah like it was a mystery what kind of tones I was going to be getting. When I heard the rough mixes, I was like, I was very pleased, you know. 
right I on. knew it was going to be a dream to mix, you know. I, when I've heard the rough mixes, I was like, oh, man, like, these rough mixes are pretty good. I got to make sure my real mixes are better than these, you know. Because <laughs> the rough mixes were good, man. Yeah. had the our minds completely opened up to Frank Zappa. Remember? Oh yeah, we were geeking out over dinner on Frank Zappa, right? To, uh, we're listening to uh, Montana. Yes. How could that not have played into your record? Yeah. Just the sound of it. How right, could that not right, have been right. inspiring, about inspiring that. to go in and after you hear that stuff? Sweet, yeah. Sweets. Particularly the number two. You know, it's just got like, it's just kind of ugly and angular and it's got some nasty guitar tones and, and it's got, there's like, it's a little Zappa-ish. It's, it's kind of guitar driven. I like it. Melon Sun, like yeah. that song lives with us. Like it's still a topic of conversation in our household. And you know, when when we're dealing with Toronto culture purveyors and people who understand the players involved, I secretly kind of <laughs> joke to my in my Jenny and I have our joke about fucking with the curly fry empire and.
you know, when you work with a guy like Kevin, who has been sideman to the greats, it would be a safe assumption to think that if he's going to come in and, you know, be the catch-all sideman on a crazy, kooky cabaret pop record, mm-hmm. that he would display attitude. Mm-hmm. But Kevin is fundamentally a songwriter at heart, and he's going to have that nuanced understanding of what's going on and that your the sheer will and uh, um, provocativeness in your artistry is going to appeal to him. And so I know that Kevin was floored like by what mm-hmm. we were doing. Like mm-hmm. I know that for him, it was like, it was totally Christmas day for, for him because I don't remember us going a whole lot, uh, actually, Kev, can you tone it down? Like, I yeah, yeah. He, I yeah. don't believe that was uttered once. You know, I think it was all like, like Kevin was pretty much, he was on the off-leash dog park, you know? Yeah. Good one. Well done. Got those birds in the background too, man. I love it. Uh, Sometimes when you get a mix from a band, you're you're polishing a lot, you know, mm-hmm. or you're you're like, oh man, this is oh that kick and snare sound. That's yeah, I gotta work on that. I gotta do some. I gotta really polish that turd, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but it was not the case with this. Some it was a a bunch of stuff that was just like, let's just get the right level and the right spot in the mix. Where do I want to put this? A little to the left and all right here, and then it's you know, how it's heard, not really what you did to it, you know? I had one good loud listen to your record before we closed down Burke's Falls because I knew that would be the last time I'd get to hear records at a loud volume, you know, in that big living room. And it just blew my mind again. Like, it was like, what? What absurd, what an absurd thing. <laughs> nudge, nudge, wink, wink, and ride that pony On your normal everyday job as a producer or musician, you have a go-to bag of tricks because for the most part, music is, you know, no one is going to want conga drums imposing on a thing. No one's going to want absurd FM synth leads to be on a thing. And when you come in, it's like you reset the rules and all of a sudden I can be the guy that I really am. Well, it's going to be very exciting. You know, I remember when we finished that record, which was probably just over a year ago, I said, why it would be ideal if we could make one of these a year, which of course, we all think that's doable and then adult life takes over and then a year, especially as we age, time is 
yeah, changing shape. So, but I do hope we get to do something like that again. Yeah, same, man. I'm I'm pretty much adamant that to make it happen again, like it. I, oh, good. One way or another, I built a studio that made a few interesting records in the right. 10 years that it was operating, and yours would have been one of the last. And I will have little to no nostalgia about leaving that house, because mm -hmm. I'm not nostalgic about that kind of thing, oddly enough. I'm nostalgic about mm -hmm. snare drums and, and drummers and music, and but not really about places per se. But that studio, I will look back and go, some pretty neat stuff happened in there. I gotta say, like I, it, yeah. Before going into those sessions, I was doubting my, my ability to collaborate with humans. You know, you, you hit a couple really? of those those moments, but then I, I thought that's sort of what you do. Though. After that's doing that, do. I've really felt empowered by by that uh, by that experience working with you guys. And let's make four more. I'd like that. I'd really yeah. like that. And yeah. this might be a good city to do it in, actually. Yeah, yeah. I got a lot of family there, so. Oh really? Yeah, you haven't lived until you've uh, had dinner with my tia Laura. Rich, so tia Laura, tu li fa venire che giornata? Chiamami tu, ok? Che giornata vivi con me? Mi mangia qua, devo passare una da qua, poi la sera dovremmo fare il spettacolo, ok? Chiamami, ok? Mostro un cascino poco, poi puoiamo più tardi, ok? Ciao, Riccardo, ciao. I am very happy creating music with the people I choose to create music with yeah i feel feel happy with it i feel content and success you know because we're doing what we want to do and we're having a good time doing it so really isn't that what it's all about you know what i mean like be great to sell like you know 14 records <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, too many gifts my love of my heart is rotten apple baby you have a rotten apple oh my eye. Thank you to Hawksley, Kevin, and Gerg. Also, thank you to our friend Stu Crooks for engineering that, that those sessions. The Great Blue Heron comes out on September 14th, and I uh, hope you enjoyed this special edition of Industry Tactics, a behind-the-scenes look and listen into my 11th studio recording. Goodbye. Oh.